Tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, Act 2. Act 2, Scene 1. Okay, in Act 2, Scene 1, Polonius is sending Ronaldo to spy on Laertes. Uh, and this is a really interesting point because he wants Ronaldo to go visit with all his friends and acquaintances first, find out information, see how he's behaving, see how much they know about him, see how much Laertes has shared, and then go visit Laertes and check in on him, see how things are do- going. So this establishes this very odd element of the play that is going to be present in a variety of ways where there's a lot of spying going on, but also there's a lot of misdirection in an effort to find the truth. So rather than just going directly to the source and asking someone honestly for their thoughts and opinions on something, it's very much of an I gotcha scenario where there is lack of trust, uh, people want to see things for their own eyes, and there tends to be, and what we need to think about this is that Polonius is playing this game that Hamlet is also going to play. Uh, and what we see here later in Act 2, Scene 1, is that when Ophelia comes into the scene and announces that Hamlet is acting crazy, dressing strange, uh, behaving in a way that has, has really been off-putting, Polonius then immediately rushes to tell the king that there are serious issues going on with Hamlet, being completely unaware that this could be part of a larger game. So, a couple things to take note of is that, one, Polonius is believing that he's the only one playing a game here where Hamlet is going to also be playing that exact same game and Polonius is completely unaware of it. So keep that in mind. Uh, it's a cool little scene. Lots to kind of think about because it's establishing a tone that we're going to see throughout the, the rest of Act 2. Act 2, Scene 2. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are both childhood friends of Hamlet who were oddly recruited by King Claudius to spy on Hamlet. This is another example of spying, which is a major trend in this play. You have to either question their friendship with Hamlet or the power that King Claudius wields. Because if they're true friends of Hamlet, you believe that they might be concerned about his behavior. But on the other hand, if we are in an authoritative state, and they are fearful of their lives, they might not really have a choice in the matter. So while we don't necessarily understand the politics of the room yet uh, and what type of power King Claudius wields, it is something to consider that either they're not very good friends of Hamlet or we have fear of what happens if you do not follow the king's orders. The other thing to consider here is that Claudius and Gertrude seem to not totally understand Hamlet. So we're not 100% sure how close Hamlet really is with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. So this could be a misstep where their appearance is a giant tell that they're trying to use these two young men as spies. Which does play itself out later in this scene. Okay. We also get in Act 2, Scene 2, Polonius believing that Hamlet is lovesick. There's a very dramatic sort of pause where he lets this sort of court play out and and be interrupted before he kind of reveals this. But he feels like because Ophelia is rejecting him, which isn't exactly true. Ophelia seems to be kind of lost in the shuffle of everything. 
But while this is going on and Polonius is stating his case, Queen Gertrude does admit that the death of his father and the quick marriage is probably at the root of Hamlet's mental state. It's just a quick one-liner in Act 2, Scene 2, Line 60, that she is at least admitting that this is an abnormal scenario. We get a quick military update, and we learn that Fortinbras has decided not to go after Denmark and merely travel through Denmark on his way to Poland. This is another example of a lie being used to gain access to what someone is seeking. Uh, we are not to trust Fortinbras here. We are to believe that he's going to just manipulate whoever he needs to to make his way to King Claudius. We also have to not necessarily trust the information we're getting from our military sources. One thing that we're used to as audience members is we tend to trust the characters on stage or in the book or uh, in the movie, whatever you are viewing. But in this case, we're not really sure if we can trust anyone. Uh, King Claudius is new to the throne. People want to please him. We're not really sure about his leadership style. And remember, during this time period, information didn't travel very easily and not always very accurately. So in this case, this decision by Fortinbras to sort of negotiate and then have this information get back to King Claudius uh, is not something we necessarily can 100% trust. But it does speak to the way that the court is being held under King Claudius's rule, where people seem to be telling him what he wants to hear, but the truth seems to not always be present. So keep Keep your eyes on that and, and follow that when Fortinbras gets mentioned. This idea that, which we saw already with Polonius and we saw this with Hamlet already in Act 2, Scene 1, this trend continues of people lying in an effort to move their initiative forward. When Hamlet enters the scene in Act 2, Scene 2, he acts incredibly aloof and distant. Um, and in that distant behavior that he has with Polonius is actually really funny. So depending on how the actors would play this out, the wordplay in the back and forth, it shows Polonius's inability to decipher what's a joke, what is serious, what's not serious. Um, there's lots of jokes that kind of in, in imply that, you know, Hamlet's relationship with Ophelia might be a little bit more physical than Polonius would like. And it goes back and forth. And it's something that speaks to the fact that Polonius cannot figure out or tell the difference between what is truth and what is false and what is what is the game that's being played when he's being played versus the exact game that he's been trying to play with in this case earlier in the act uh, we saw this with Laertes he seems to be unable to figure this out this also lends Hamlet to his conversation with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern uh, during this conversation, he's surprised they're there. He asks what they're doing there, and they, and they really don't have a great answer. And while Hamlet is jovial with them, he tends to be on the dark side where you know, he states that you know, Denmark is a prison, and he continues these wordplay games. And this is in Act 2, um, lines 268 
to 291, he's very, very aggressive with sort of his wordplay. Uh, and while they seem to know each other, there is a distance there. And you got to ask yourself, if they were really true friends of Hamlet, um, wouldn't they be more concerned about his behavior? Or is this just two young men who are backed into a corner, fearful of what will happen to them if they cross King Claudius? Is this truly an authoritative state in that way? We don't know. So as this conversation hovers on being very serious, uh, he keeps them completely on their toes and confused, and then the arrival of the acting troupe kind of breaks this awkward, uncomfortable conversation up. And Hamlet jumps right in the action. He's reciting parts of a passionate speech and insisting that the group perform the murder of Gonzago tomorrow. And it's this sort of incredible confidence that it's the actors and this fictional play that are going to show or bring the light the dark secrets of someone's human psyche. In this case, that what is going to make someone feel or be at their most human is going to be something that is actually fictional and being depicted by actors. It's a very interesting situation we find ourselves in with Hamlet because Hamlet doesn't take a direct route throughout this entire play. He's not just going to go direct. Even in in the final scenes of the play, it still isn't a direct situation until he confronts King Claudius. Everything else is this roundabout way seeking the truth through, you know, whether it's games he's playing or misdirections or playing one character off of another. You know, this is another example where he's putting all this emphasis on that the that these actors are going to be able to bring to the light what is deeply embedded in King Claudius's conscience, which which we get with Hamlet is believes that is guilty. Okay, so this is an important thing. Hamlet goes kind of back and forth with the actors, kind of unimpressed with them at first, but believes that, you know, this passion and, and frustration is peaking within him. And that if this acting troupe can bring about this moment where King Claudius is going to be emotionally damaged by this play because of his actions, it's going to prove to Hamlet that King Claudius is guilty. All right, so when we look at Act 2, and this is really important, is that we need to look at the fact that if this is the beginning of Ophelia being kind of a pawn in Hamlet's quest for truth. And the unfortunate thing about Ophelia is that she seems not to not have her own sort of strength. She tends to be just kind of emotionally pull, pushed and pulled both by her father, her brother, and Hamlet. And ultimately, she kind of ends up being in a situation where she's a character you're sympathetic for, But at the same time, she seems to be unable to sort of gain any traction for herself. Polonius in this scene is incredibly established as someone who's untrusting, but also unaware that anyone else could be playing a game. And he thinks he's the only one playing a game. And and his inability to kind of figure that out is going to be part of his downfall. Fortinbras, from a distance, is establishing this trend that if you lie it's a safer route to the truth or to gain your initiative. And in this case, we are to believe that he's lying in order to make his way to King Claudius in the capital. We also see in this scene that Gertrude is taking an incredible backseat to the action, and as the play continues on, she seems to fade more and more in the background. 
much like Ophelia seems to be pushed into a corner as well, you do have to ask yourself, why are the women portrayed this way? Is it something that is being stated about the time period? Is it about Denmark? But Gertrude sort of fades, even though that she does show signs of understanding Hamlet's mood. You know, but the idea of, of in, employing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to spy on Hamlet, another example of spying, which is a, is a theme in this play, you know, Gertrude had to sign off on that. And she seems to be more and more powerless as time goes on. And both of those young men seem to be set up to fail as Hamlet is seeing right through them. And it just seems like they're only there to, to watch over him, which is going to feed into him, and he's going to use them in many ways against other people and in for his own cause. You know, we, I've said this already, but remember this idea that Hamlet is putting all this emphasis into the actors to bring about this human emotion uh, it really does speak to the idea that Hamlet doesn't 100% trust the ghost. You know, this ghost tells him to seek revenge. But we get this in lines 610 to 634 that he's not really sure if this ghost is seeking revenge from heaven or from hell. And, and for, that does play a factor into Hamlet's mindset. And we'll get into the religious factor here as King Claudius, uh, when he's praying later in the play and what that means to Hamlet. So while we break this down, you really have to analyze the fact that Hamlet needs more proof, needs more evidence, the ghost isn't enough. He's putting all this faith in actors and in a fictional play that's going to hopefully invoke this human experience that's coming from make-believe in order to get a real experience and a real show of emotion from Claudius. And we have all this lying and spying going on uh, and everything is a misdirection. So the play's got a lot of depth to it, and Act 2, Scene 1 and Scene 2 both establish the fact that no one really can be trusted. Everyone's playing a game. Some people are lost within the game, and the game is being played, and it does set itself up that there doesn't seem to be a clear, direct leader at this time. And at the end of this play, one of the questions that we're going to be looking at, and this is a very base question, you know, are there any real winners in this play? And I, I think the way the game is being played, everyone seems to be playing it so poorly that there isn't really any winner being established or any even leader at this point. So we'll see how this goes as we roll into Act 3, and we'll keep studying this play, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it.